Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, fish world out there. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. We don't take a day off. It is Memorial Day. 
It's a holiday for many out in America. Travel has completely rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, but we are still here holding down the fort, soaking in some fish, talking with people, sharing our thoughts, sharing our opinions, staying off the roads. I I drove to the grocery store yesterday. Okay, I apologize. Um, Everything was cleared out. It was crazy. But uh, we are here doing the hard work of breaking down the current and past history of this band, Fish. And we, we take that responsibility seriously, which is a great introduction to today's episode with um, two very special, two very excellent, very noteworthy guests that we're going to be bringing on here shortly, Scott Marks and Charlie Dirksen. We are very, very excited about bringing them on here. Uh, we're going to be talking a bit about last night's show. However, we talked about uh, set one during our set break recap uh, episode special that we are doing on Sunday evenings throughout tour. Um, I guess really quick, like before we do that, because we're going to dive into a lot about quadraphonic toppling, the history of fish set listing, the history of the song quadraphonic toppling, like what what constitutes a debut within a song and how fish.net determines set list entry points. Um, that's I think is going to be the, the, the majority of this conversation. But before we get to that, Megan, Jonathan, what were your big one or two highlights from set two last night? Uh, the tweezer. That 40... 40- some minutes between tweezer plasma wolfman's brother is an amazing chunk of music um that i will continue revisiting in the future yeah agree that tweezer is just an absolutely epic journey it's spacey psychedelic it's just gorgeous it's got all the things and the ending is this like terrifying soundscape it's landing in plasma perfect Perfect. and the wolfman's was so good they were feeling it it was awesome also a kind of nice little reprise-ishness, uh, a little bit of a reprise of the jam from Mike song in Hood, mm. which yeah, it's good you call. can say that the jam in Mike song is kind of like a Hood jam. You can go either way on that, but either way, you could hear the same kind of rhythm and, uh, you know, maybe the same key. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't do that stuff. I thought the tweezer was the most dynamic jam that we've heard in 2022. Um, and it was kind of like a, you know, you go to a diner and you can get a sampler platter. You get like a few mozzarella sticks, some French fries, some chicken fingers, maybe some onion rings. And you're just like, I got a little bit of everything here. Shit, and I'm going to have to go get some lunch, you guys. Exactly. Right. You know, it's the best. <laughs> and you, you got a couple of assortment of dips and stuff. And that was what that tweezer felt like. It was like, mm-hmm. here's some synthesizers. Here's some weird noise here. We're moving into a really, you know, phenomenal bliss jam. We're moving back into darkness. Mike's got his drill. The drill's going to lead to this extended outro that goes perfectly into plasma. He kept the drill out for a while. Like three uh, minutes. Yeah. Mm. And we got good synthesizer action from, uh, Trey and Paige along with it. That was good and weird. I loved it. Yeah. I was discussing it with weird. friends. Um, I thought it was a really good combination of what they did in the simple and the blazon from Deer Creek last year, where you had the melody, you had the songwriting, um, but then you had this atmospheric noise. And as Jackson Richards says, great friend of the pod here, a quintessential 4.0 style jam. I couldn't agree more. I think it's the yeah. most dynamic jam we've heard in 2022. And I, I it, it really excites me for what's, 
to continue to come here throughout the year. I mean, they have just mastered Tweezer. It's just it's so great. Yeah, you'd think they'd probably have it down by now. Yeah. They kind of know hope. what they're doing with that song. You would hope. Um, I want to save a ton of space here for today's conversation. I also want to give Scott and Charlie a chance to um, give us their thoughts at some point during the, the, the topic or the discussion today about last night's show. Um, I just want to post this comment here really quickly because it's cool. Tyler Schusterman felt like Trey and Mike were pushing each other back and forth between light and dark. I like that. I like that phrasing. It, it kind of had elements that reminded me of the Nashville 18 ghost, which just feels like a push and pull from Trey and Mike. And uh, I, I love those kind of jams. Um, all right. We want to talk here really quickly to let you know about our sponsors. I also want to let everyone out there know um, if you are going to Charleston, if you are going to Deer Creek and you want to be on the podcast to talk through a recap of those shows, hit us up on Twitter at HFPod. We will get you booked up. Um, for one of those recaps here or for a show later this summer. We're happy to, to book in advance. We love planning ahead. That's a great thing to do. Um, Sunset Lake CBD is our sponsor, as always, our wonderful sponsor here for the show. Their line of smokable hemp products are for the young deadhead or the old fish fan or anyone in between who is searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone, including you. Me? The Hawaiian haze, you, and uh, somewhere out there in the uh, in the internet world. Oh, there. Uh, Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping it directly from their farm to your door. And last night, following the show, following the Celtics' incredible win in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals to go to their, I think, 22nd NBA Finals. I think I have that number right. Scott will be able to correct me if I'm wrong there. First time since 2010. I was like amped up at about 10 o'clock last night. And I was like, I don't know what to do right now. And my wife wanted to watch a little bit of a, I think you should leave, which is like the greatest late evening, 20 minute sketch comedy to just like bring yourself down for the night. And I put a little bit of cherry abacus in the pipe and we passed that back and forth and we were relaxed. We were laughing at Tim Robinson's absurdity and we were able to go to bed within like 30 minutes. It was absolutely perfect. So Please check out Sunset Lake today at sunsetlakecbd.com. Use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned and Vermont-grown. Should we bring our guests on? Yes. Yeah, let's let's do do it. Let's do it. Scott and Charlie, welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for coming on. And I will echo what uh, Les Addis says. Thank you all for your hard work. Thank you guys, Scott and Charlie. I, I think with, without getting into specifics, you guys run the set listing show over at fish.net and um, you guys do some inc- incredible work documenting fish. I honestly have no idea. I've been following the band for 20 plus years now and I came of age when fish.net was really well curated and was this incredible resource to learn about fish on a day-to-day basis. And it's only gotten better in the years since. So so thank you guys so much for what you do. 
Uh, it's our pleasure. Um, there are also two other people on the team that are not here, uh, Steve Pellini and Matt Burnham. So uh, there, are, there are four of us that comprise the Fish Setless team. And obviously, we have so many people helping out with submissions uh, across Twitter and, and uh, Fishnet and, and emails. So it's it's a much bigger group than just the two of us. Thank you, Steve and Matt. And thank you to everyone out there for entering your submissions. It's always fun to see something new get updated because someone's listening back to a fish show and it's like, I hear something that's not documented and then calling that out. Yeah, that's going to so, be crazy some days, but it's kind of, it's great to see that for that product. Once it's been reviewed, I try not to submit anything that's too crazy. <laughs> So I was thinking the best way to start this conversation, we, we are talking with Scott and Charlie about the discussion that's been raised within the larger fish community around whether or not fish played for the, for the first part, quadraphonic toppling on Friday night, and then what extended into have they actually played quadraphonic toppling at all? Because for the last 22 years, we all knew one debut version in quotes uh, at Big Cypress. And did this actually happen? Did this not? What, what do we make of all this? So I wanted to kind of enter this conversation as a broad, how do you guys approach set list entry? And like, how do you guys approach what constitutes a song that's played uh, that goes in the fish.net set list? So with fish.net, um, we are a separate entity from live fish and fish from the road. Um, and we have rules that we, we use for our, our set list file and we don't consult with, with fish from the road and live fish and they don't consult with us. And so, you know, naturally we try and be on the same page with them as much as possible because that is coming from fish Inc. That being said, um, we, we have a rule where, um, and I don't know if it's a rule or if it's just for me, if it's, if it might just be common sense. Um, and it's not to take pot shots at anybody else. It's just my, my reasoning on this. Um, if you play a song or excuse me, if you perform something and there's no music, then you're quoting lyrics. Um, and so, we could have um, you could have somebody quoting lyrics from Story of the Ghost in a week of Pog, and that doesn't mean that Ghost is sorry, uh, quoting Ghost in week of Pog, and doesn't mean that Ghost was actually played. It just means that somebody quoted some lyrics. So, with that being in mind, we did not put quadraphonic toppling. It's not in the setlist file from Friday night. Um, you have some yodeling and you have, and, and Charlie's very amused by this. Uh, you have the yodeling and you have quadraphonic toppling being spoken. Um, there's actual music on the Sicket or, or Psychic Disc, however you want to pronounce it, that is not actually in the, uh, the Alabama show. So that's why the party times from MSG are not in our set list file. It's why Martian Monster from last year's Deer Creek is not in the set list file because those all have music that was not performed. So I can't 
tell you, I can't say, yes, those were played. They were performed in the sense that they were quoted and not actually played as they should be. So I can't justifiably put party time into a set list when there's no music there. They're quoting it in the middle of a Wolfman's or a light. Um, and so that's why quadraphonic toppling is not in there. And I, I'm saying that fully aware that Fish from the Road tweeted quadraphonic toppling. Live Fish has quadraphonic toppling in their uh, app and music. And also there was a video released the next day of Soul Planet, Quadraphonic Toppling, Soul Planet. Um, so we're not always going to be on the same page as what Fish from the Road or Live Fish do. It doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. It's just a matter of interpreting how how something goes in. Um, we also have a week of uh, groove from me, last Scott, year's. I, just, I, I think we could, should also acknowledge the likelihood that the band themselves aren't really involved in making those decisions for what live They're not. videos are titled and what live, you know, I don't not, know. They, they could not, be, they couldn't be. It's not something I've asked <clears throat> and it's not something I, I feel I should get involved with because that's, that's up to them. That's fair. Um, I, I, I think it's a fair assumption that they probably have better things to do with their time. <laughs> yeah. They, they conducted a full band meeting and uh, discussed yeah. the issue of whether or not quadraphonic <laughs> topic should be separately charged. <laughs> They had our mugshots up on the screen. Too. I'm sorry, I can't even. Oh, well, they, you know, they also, sat and watched our podcast yesterday, and then they were like, "Is it? Is it was there?" Yeah, yeah. They, they're all bent out of shape <laughs> over this entire debacle. Uh, the the tragedy that the Cypress set list has been, uh, you know, <laughs> molested. I want to Cypress set list, Charlie. <laughs> no, but before we go there, like, am I right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the the quadraphonic toppling that was in the MSG Axola that was not tweeted from from the road that was not tracked by Live Fish, correct? correct. That was not tracked. Right. Also, yeah, that Sorry. that was not. It's 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 all contained within an Axola two jam. But um, there's yodeling and there's quadraphonic toppling quotes in that Axola, and it's not in yes. Live Fish. So there's yes. yeah, right. So so going back to the history of this, I've I've been in touch with Craig Delucia, who was responsible for the Mockingbird Setless file 22 years ago, um, which became the Fish Companion first edition Setless file. And the legacy of that file is what exists right now on Fishnet. And Craig um, has a lot to say about this. And thankfully, Craig is writing a blog post, it looks like, as we speak about uh, why Quadraphonic was toppling was put into that set list because he was primarily responsible for it. And um, I've kind of been going memory down memory lane with him um, because I completely forgotten most of this, but the psychic disc was apparently soft released in summer of 99, meaning it was uh, uh, released via the band's website um, for mail order. And there was no way in hell that I ordered it <laughs> in 99. Um, I was, I was, practicing as an attorney by that point. And uh, I, so I had not heard quadraphonic topping. I, I just knew that uh, the psychedist consisted of improvisations that had basically been turned into songs for release. And as you, everyone knows, my left toe and what's the use have since been performed on stage, more or less consistent with the versions that are on the psychedist. Quadraphonic topping Happy Weapon has not. Song as well. Quadraphonic, right. Quadraphonic toppling has actually 
as it really as the release is and exists on the psychedisc, that has never been performed on stage. It was not performed at Cyprus. It was not performed uh, during the Axel of the other day at MSG. It was not performed in the Soul Planet the other day. Uh, that version of quadriphonic toppling has a number of musical elements, um, absolutely none of which have been performed on stage. Uh, and then the, the the phrase quadriphonic toppling, the sample that's repeated on the psychedist version of quadriphonic toppling, that's not even the exact same sample that Mike replayed during Cyprus. If you listen to them in an A-B comparison, they're different. And Craig actually told me in a text message that he's basically certain that he saw Mike step off Mike during that jam, record something on his Nokia cell phone or audio recorder, whatever it was, and then go back to the vocal mic and start replaying it, um, the quadraphonic toppling uh, on stage during the beautiful, at that point, it was a very beautiful melodic interplay um, between Trey and, and Paige. And so from Craig's point of view, that, an effective performance art piece, if you will. That's in effect what it was. Um, that's Quadraphonic Toppling's debut. And as of that point in Fish history, we had, you know, there were precedents for Fish performing um, their songs on stage with different music. We had Slow versus Fast Llama. We had the Providence uh, 98 Cavern, which was a slow, funky style. And I think Cavern was played even in a partly bluegrass style at some point in 92. And obviously Kung um, is Four like heart. a spoken word poem that can sometimes be over different improvisation. Uh, Guy Fergay, I mean, good Lord. So, so from Craig's point of view, it seemed appropriate to give that a name, right? It was basically this sort of really cool, beautiful moment at Cyprus with some really neat improv. Uh, by Trey and, and Paige and the repeated quadraphonic sample from Mike. And that's why quadraphonic toppling made it into the set list. I, and I don't think, it looks like Craig also, we had no idea what the psychic disc version of quadraphonic toppling sounded like at that time. So it's not like we were listening to the psychic disc version being like, oh, there's like no resemblance between <laughs> the psychic disc version and what, happened at Cyprus, aside from the re repetition of the words quadraphonic toppling. And so what is the song, you know? <laughs> you tell me, you know, what is this? Because what's really funny about yeah. this is that it's entirely plausible that the band could perform quadraphonic toppling with fish on vacuum, with Paige report, repeating the words quadraphonic toppling, quadraphonic toppling, while fish, or while, while Trey and Mike bounce on trampolines like they do during yam and then jump off the trampolines and do the gula papyrus dance. Right. And then that, is that a performance of quadraphonic toppling? Why not? Why not? Why is it's, that not a performance of quadraphonic toppling? This is the problem with this. It's like, it, it's, it's an entirely fan driven event. You know, the, the, the naming of quadraphonic toppling to that, performance that occurred during the digital delay loop jam out of sand before slave at cyprus so it's this well and i think to, to add to it there was crazy situation the, and, this, and it is hilarious this <laughs> this gets back to something scott was saying you know the, the differences between how fish.net is posting and, and the rules that you guys have versus what may be coming from the band and we don't want to 
just just to point it out, Ryan Harrell here points out the quadraphonic toppling was broken out as a separate track from sand on the Bonnaroo 360 bonus disc, which I believe came out after the 2009 2009 show. Presumably, this was curated by Kevin Shapiro. Now, is this gospel or is it you know simply no, there, up there is the Bonnaroo 360 disc that came out uh, where you had the the Piper from Oswego and you had the Gumbo Sanity from Lemon Wheel and the Bathtub Gin from the Great Went. And then you had the Sand Quadraphonic Toppling from Big Cypress. That still doesn't change the fact that there's no music from the Psychic Disc showing up in that jam. It's literally this ambient jam after the bit of digital delay loop stuff out of Sand and there's no music from the recording. So Um, I I correct. I yeah, we don't know the band's of, intent. Right. So intent was something I was talking about yesterday um, a little bit. And just as a discussion point, and we can't know really their intent. Um, but also, you know, as kind of Charlie, I think, was inferring, is the possibility that if the band wants to rearrange the song, is it the, still the song? Um, and uh, I don't know. Rules are good. Rules are good to have, and I, I I'm not here to convince you to change anything, Scott. So uh, <laughs> no, and, and riffs riffs completely got changed from uh, the early '90s to what it is now. So it's Absolutely. not like just because things composed is going to stay that way forever. And it's why you you had something that was in the set list from over 20 years ago that isn't now, and it might show up again at some point. You know, the the set list file is constantly evolving; and it's not set in stone. Um. So if more information comes out where the band were to say, hey, there is no music to this, we just play whatever we want under it, then we'd have to reconsider and maybe all three quadrifog topplings show up in the cellist for Big Cypress for MSG and for Alabama. As it stands right now, based on what we know, it's not in there. Um, so that's where we're, we're kind of at. Can I ask, um, so the band plays Sand on... 123199. I was listening back to it over the last couple of days. There's no end point to the sand. The sand kind of modulates into this jam that sounds like it could only be played at three o'clock in the morning. Trey starts playing the digital delay loop jam. Mike, Paige, and Fishman step off stage. They come back. Paige and Trey start doing this duel. Mike records quadraphonic toppling. The first tapes I received of Big Cypress in 2001, around the time I was getting into the band, had quadraphonic toppling listed on set lists as, and it was tracked out separately. At any point, was it like discussed on your guys' end? Should we revisit this? Or was it just, this is how the band pre- presented this in quotes song uh, on Big, you know, at Big Cypress? And we kind of just let it be, or was this like ever a talking point that you guys had over the last 20 years? I, my impression is that it wasn't Charlie. Did you guys, I mean, had this even come up before? I have lost. Scott, are you able to hear us? Uh, Scott, you are muted. I, I am muted. So, so Charlie can't hear. I can't speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a team we're making for permission that. Um, 
what was the question one more time? I mean, I think there was, was there any point. The short version of the question was, had, had this come up at any point in the past? Um, like, has anybody considered this song, you know, and its existence in set lists in the past until before they, before this nonsense this past week? Well, yeah, Quadraphonic Toppling had been in the set list file for 22 right. years, 23 years. But it hadn't been discussed whether it should be. No, I, I think it was just something that was there and then it was kind of you know, off the radar because there had been no teasers or quotes or anything of it until really Alabama. Um, when the MSG show happened, you know, I missed at the time and somebody pointed out later on, you know, go listen to the axle. There's a quadraphonic toppling quote. And sure enough, there it was. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go add this into the set list. And so now it's axle part two with quadraphonic toppling showing up in the, the set list file as a, as a no, it's not actually in the set list. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty uh, rational so, for that. Right. Yeah, that and makes so a lot of sense to me. With the Axla 2, and then you go to Soul Planet, there's no real difference between what happened in Axla 2 and what happened in Soul Planet. Uh, the yodeling is now a little more pronounced from Trey, uh, but somebody in the band, I think it was Mike for Axla 2, and it's Trey for Soul Planet's doing it. And so you've gone from one show where it's not listed to one show where it is listed. It's a, lo- it's a little bit different, though, in that it seems a lot more intentional in the Alabama version. Like, at MSG, I think there's one quote. It's pretty quick. Yeah, it's like 15 like, seconds. Yeah, but, it's like, but in this, this Alabama like, one, it seemed a lot more intentional. Right. Well, yeah, Trey's laughing during it, too. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It's it's clearly yeah. intentional in the sense of, also, I don't know if you guys, uh, I, I just went dark for a while there. I haven't heard of anything since I basically last spoke until a minute ago oh, wow. and so i don't know what i've missed yeah unfortunately i i went my mic went dead and, and my audio went dead um but you know this whole thing makes me wonder with with mike saying uh quadraphonic toppling in the axilla if they're planning to release cyprus you, you just got ahead of my because, next question yeah, yeah. because I, this is actually very fascinating to me that mike suddenly out of the blue <laughs> said quadraphonic doubling during the axle at MSG. And I, I just that. don't think it's a coincidence. I think because yeah. the whole thing is a joke, right? I mean, that's the thing. They, 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 quadraphonic toppling, the name is probably some kind of inside band joke and they just gave. Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, us putting quadraphonic toppling formally into the set list um, of Cyprus between sand and slave, when really the only quadraphonic toppling part of that long 20 minute improvisation out of sand um, was, you know, Mike's repeating the quadraphonic toppling phrase for about almost two minutes, right? That's the only thing that is in common with the psychic disc version. Um, And so for us to give it a formal placement like that in the set list, I mean, I mean, that must be hilarious to them. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, so, so that's the thing. Yeah. Like, they, so when they were probably, they were probably told like, oh, Fishnet has you guys playing quadraphonic toppling, you know, during that. They're like, they're probably like, what? Because Mike, they probably, you know, because Mike played the sample. I mean, so, so anyway. That's what the song is. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. Is it a piece of performance art now, right? Like, and that's why yeah. Trey was laughing perhaps during it. Maybe whatever the hell they're doing, whenever they repeat the phrase quadraphonic toppling for more than a few measures, maybe that's quadraphonic toppling. Maybe exactly. that's the we don't know. So here's yeah, a we don't know. speculative question. 
and you can decline to answer this, but I'm posing this to both of you guys and actually to everybody. If they it's in their minds because they're looking at the tapes because they're finally going to release the big Cypress box set, even though they should be doing the great wet this year. Um, if it tracks out a quadraphonic toppling performance, will we have another discussion or will you guys have another discussion and consider putting it back in the list? I will oh, it goes right this. back in the set list. Are you kidding? Yeah. I, I'd like, I'd like I mean, kill myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? Look, look it's been there in the set list for twenty-two Charlie goddamn spoken. years. That's the thing. It's like some one of the one of the old set list team uh, members oh, joked joked about my wife telling me to stop yelling. One of our old set list team members from twenty years ago joked that it's like changing the constitution, like changing changing oh the set list. It's like changing Scott the constitution. Sacrilegious. And removing, you know, quadraphonic toppling from it is like an, a, is an affront to fish history. <laughs> so good. In well, it's, it's interesting because it gets to the core of something you said earlier. Um, my initial interpretation is, as this discussion kind of exploded on Saturday online was, well, quadraphonic toppling is just the same as Catapult and Kong. Catapult was recorded musically and every time Catapult has been played since then, it's a different interpretation of lyrics over different music and then i went back and listened to psych it sick it disc and it's really fascinating you and i were talking about this charlie it's not a difficult it doesn't sound like it's difficult to play we're not talking about like samples layered on top of samples it's 90 seconds of or a leprechaun. bass groove yeah. or leprechaun um it's 90 seconds of a uh like deep space groove that's led by the bass, whoever is on bass, if it's fish at the time, if it's Mike at the time, it's very easily something the band could listen to at set break and come out, play a jam and find themselves into quadraphonic toppling, which would then screw with all of this. And at that point in time, I was like, much fun for them. That doesn't sound as much fun for them. Well, what the one, screwing with us. The <laughs> yeah. one consideration I would have is what happened last fall when they played and so to bed, which is a song that nobody was ever predicting would be debuted, um, you know, almost 40 years in their career. And then they started bringing back the little squirrel joke <laughs> that debuts in the 1980s and is never really seen within fish shows. And then is this way to kind of throw people off as they're moving into the Halloween set. So uh, there's, there's a part of me that wonders like what happens if they come out and they actually play the quadraphonic toppling groove at this point, do we just keep the set list the same now where it's, they've quoted quadraphonic toppling, but Raleigh 2022 is the debut of quadraphonic toppling. And I'm just putting that out Perfect. in the universe. Cause Megan, that you're going to be the right there. time. Perfect. The right then time. I'll finally be right for this bust out. <laughs> I think you've been no, right. look if you predicted quadraphonic toppling as far as i'm concerned you were right i mean because it's crazy that mike did that and i missed Everyone you hear that charlie says i'm right officially we're gonna quote that and charlie. We'll put that out yeah later. go right ahead it's also it's insane that he did that i just where did that come yeah. from i mean are they there plotting to, to release cyprus it has to be or at least mike was Let's let's extrapolate this further. So they've received the the recordings of Big Cypress to review, consider release, 
they've all maybe listened to some of it or all of it. And then somebody in the band room says, Hey, did you see that in that sand? And there, there's a it's track. It's got, it says quadraphonic toppling. Did we play quadraphonic toppling? Thus the laughter. And now they're fucking with us on stage and God bless them. I just want to make note that we have viewers from multiple sources here, one including rural Vermont. So, you know, take that of what you will, but, um, <laughs> I'm joking. um, you know, it's interesting that the, the constitution argument, I was actually having this debate with a friend of mine earlier today who, um, <laughs> accused me of siding with Alito in this argument, which I was like, no, actually this is a, As an this was a, the, I said, actually, this was a wrong earlier, like in the original writing of the constitution that has now been righted. This is not something that was reinterpreted and now is being reinterpreted again. So I feel as though this is the right evolution for the living document that is fish.net. It all wrong in quotes though, right? You've got to use the word wrong in quotes because <laughs> it depends on your definition, right? Because I mean, obviously the psychic disc version was not performed at Cyprus. Right. It's never been performed on stage. But the other thing to remember is the psychic disc is a bunch of improvised tracks. So is in the band's concept of quadraphonic toppling, is it literally just whatever the hell they're doing when Mike or anyone uh, utters the phrase quadraphonic toppling over and over again? Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though. What's minutes. the use? Has that music and it's still being used to this day? Yeah, but they've so never whether sung it's improvised it. or not. It's still there. Doesn't it have um, lyrics? So that track starts with Trey moaning. What's the use? Actually, didn't have lyrics. <laughs> What's the use actually did have lyrics on the story of the ghost outtakes. Um, and then they were never performed live. Yeah. It's um, I, again, I my left toe as to well. This is a lyricless song that was performed as though it was a composition, even though it came out of a jam happy whip and dung song as well. As, as far as I'm aware, the version that was played on seven twenty four ninety nine is the same version that was played on the album. Is that right? I think we just need yeah. the band to play Insects or Albert to really determine if this is like they, they need to just play sick at the sicket version disc. of fish base. Proper versions of this of fish base. Um, um the sicket set. The sicket set. <laughs> um or the psychic we, set. We've, we've now reached the point That'd where the amazing. chat is just filled with people yelling that the band should release Big Cypress, which I think we're all in agreement there. Um, so that's probably yeah, no, a good time. Hydroponic toppling. <laughs> it's it's a hard thing that. to say over and over and over again. Um, Scott, Charlie, do you have any additional thoughts about this deep seated controversy? I mean, anything else you guys want to say with regards to this before we turn to the mockingbird conversation? Um, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 the whole thing is hilarious. I think you have to have a sense of humor. And I think, you know, a lot of people uh, sometimes take this stuff way too seriously. And Scott and I, we take it seriously to a point, right? We want to be consistent. We want to be reliable. We want everyone to be happy all the time with how setless notation is done um, because we're doing it as a labor of love for the community. So, so it matters to us in that sense. But remember, you know, the band, they have transcendent senses of humor and they have songs that aren't really songs in a traditional sense of songs. You know, um, you know, is Kung a song? 
<laughs> you know, I mean, also is quadraphonic toffling a song? I mean, it's it arguably is a piece of performance art if you if you determine that what happened at Cyprus um, is a performance of quadraphonic toffling, right? So it's not. So what we're doing is is is, so, is sometimes problematic and difficult. But going back to what Scott initially said. We, we do try to have some rules and some guidelines. And one is like a song is not performed if it's lyric, if it's sole lyric or it's only lyrics or part of them are simply quoted, you know, verbally spoken, you know, like like Party Time was in that Wolfman's Brother. It, that, that Party Time is an actual song by Fish, which has a drum, nice, really good drum intro and a whole, you know, verses and, and chorus and so on. And that was not performed in Wolfman's Brother at MSG. And so when yeah. that whole debate arose, it was actually very disappointing because it's like it was obviously literally not a performance of party time. And so for us to put that in the set list, Wolfman's party time, Wolfman's would have been misleading. It would have been wrong, would have literally been wrong. So, again, you know, that's why we do to a point take this stuff seriously. It's because it is important, I think, to note if only for archival purposes, what was actually performed by Fish in a set list, as opposed to what was merely quoted or briefly teased or even briefly jammed on for a minute or two. Because um, even that gets a different notation in the set list file than if it's, if it's fully performed. And then there becomes a debate, well, was party time jammed on in that Wolfman's Brother? It's like, well, no, it was the lyric party time, you know, over different music repeated, but it wasn't the party time music it wasn't a party time jam in that sense. So I'm just up because I want to be clear about this. Cause a year, two years prior, uh, the oh, New Year's Eve 2016. Right? No, no, I'm just, I'm just confirming something. Yeah. Okay. You guys don't have light. You have light contained party time quotes on 1230, as well. I agree with both. Yeah, light those and are... Wolfman's brother from MSG both had those controversies. Right. Where you have this element of a song that, can be interpreted as a groove, but the elements of the song are not there. So the song itself was not played because it's as if they segued into the song and then didn't fully play the song while I remaining mean, in. The you had the party time quotes in real time, so they were with the right rhythm of the song, but there's no song. It's just the just the lyrics sung in yeah. time to what would have been the song if there was actually a song played but it's over another jam. So it's just, they're quoting the lyrics. Before we move on, there was a question I wanted to address earlier that I thought was really good from listener Kevin Hogan. Um, have you guys considered a, why don't you have a mashup de designation for stuff like the runaway groove from um, Arkansas 2021 or the MSG party time? Sounds like work to me. So with the mashup, I think of what Umphreys McGee does um, with their Halloween stuff or, or the, the Zonky album where you'll have songs that are weaving in and out of each other play at the same time, like Come As Your Kids, where it's Come As You Are, um, Kids by MGMT. And so they're played together. Um, and, I mean, the, the runaway groove, if you will, uh, Kevin's referring to from Arkansas last year, where Fish uh, has that the runaway gym has, uh, contains elements of Weekapog groove. And if you listen to that Runaway Gym, it's like about a minute, minute and a half of Runaway Gym, and then it's a full-fledged Weekapog. There's nothing at all regarding Runaway Gym at that point, and that goes on for like a minute and a half, and you have 
Wikipog music, you have Wikipog lyrics. It goes back to Runaway Jim. So you, you've gone beyond elements of that, and I don't think it's a mashup either. Mashup to me is they're played at the same time. Um, mm. You have something mm. where it's song A, song B, song A. That's not a mashup. That's literally going from one song to the next back into the first. So I, I don't think I would consider that a mashup. Yeah, there's almost um, a rehearsed element to a mashup to me that distinct that's different from what Fish does, which is they kind of end up thematically in a song. I, I would almost say like the sunshine of your feeling. That's yes. a very clear mashup, but that was also an intentional. We're going to put these two songs together. We're not playing sunshine of your love and then happen to fall into more than a feeling. Correct. Yeah. And of course that has its own name, so we don't really need the designation there. Right. That's a good point. And that's um, probably what we do for those, right, Scott? I mean, for clear mashups like that, we'd probably give them a unique name in the setlist file. Because remember, it's a database, too. So, like, uh, hilariously, if you go to the Project right? Product like Song History, there's, there's no debut date right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so zero, zero, slash, zero, zero, slash, <laughs> zero, zero, because I just took a look at it earlier today, yep. which is hilarious. No, sunshine uh, of your, sunshine yeah. of your Feeling is the only mashup if you will that fish has done to, to my knowledge um so it's kind of a there's one example and that's it so if they were to do that again you know we'd have to look into how that was being handled um and, and again as i said before the setlist file is not concrete it's not set in stone and things can be adjusted based on taking a look at it from again or more information is available uh, there are certain things, though, where we we try and stick with one rule, where you know there's quotes and no music. Um, so at least we're consistent on that point. People might not agree with us. Um, they some people definitely don't agree with us, but we try and at least be fair in how we put the cells together. Makes a lot of sense. Also, the use, of jam. Standards to operate the use of jam and set lists. So we try to be consistent with, because obviously Fish is an improvisational band. And if we put tweezer, jam, tweezer <laughs> in every set list or, or similar, it would be ridiculous, right? But there are times when Fish opens up sets with improvisation. Um, so that would be like a jam to start the set, right? And so there are, but then there's the, uh, correct, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but the only instance where we, um, we deliberately use jam uh, improperly or rather omit it is when is the S or no, the fuck your face set um, because technically farmhouse is performed and it ends. And then there's a jam and fades. That, that's a great jam after farmhouse, but farmhouse isn't an improvisational song. And so technically it should be under our rules, farmhouse jam. But yeah. if you did that, it would be fuck, fuck your FJAC. Well, and <laughs> the, 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 the thank you set I'm from. Serious, uh, this is totally what we did. Yeah. No, the the thank you hilarious. encore from 9615, uh, where there are right. more pieces of harpoon that should really be in the set list. But if you add like two or three harpoons, it kind of ruins the whole thank you part of the cell right. so well, and to that point, right then and there we, we were like all right. right this this is stupid we're not point you can hear trey in the narration to the first harpua say if you're writing down the set list yeah this is the only time yep. we play yes. harpua or something to that extent only yeah. counts once 
which if anybody thinks that we're putting way too much thought into whether or not fish played quadraphonic top lane 22 years ago, I would divert you to the lead guitarist in the band notating to his fans that we were only playing Harpua once so that they could keep up with a set list gimmick. Yeah. He knows where it works. Once again, band and their napkins. And, and on your also hilariously it would be really funny if on the list of songs that trey wrote out to be performed on this tour which they do routinely right, um if only for chris list. you know if, if only for benefit of chris um that he's got a quadraphonic top like written up. that's the way we'll i'm know. sorry i'm like i just can't even yeah so that would be hilarious <clears throat> All right, so now um, we, we're going to put a bounty out on a photo of that, yeah. those sheets that they lay at <laughs> Trey's bounty. feet every night. <laughs> that was that list for 4-20-22 that was on Corotta's uh, equipment that circulated online, and then I think the next night there was like a piece of paper that said, really? So <laughs> <laughs> kind of were aware of what happened and just made sure not to do that the second night. Uh, it's so funny. I love That's that they good. pay attention to our bullshit sometimes. Uh, it's um, it's it's why we do this really quickly before we talk Mockingbird. We we are in the business right now of um, correcting past wrongs, and one that is appearing in the chat that I need to correct. Yes, um, Ben or uh, no, not Ben. Uh, oh yeah, Ben Benji Despair said I forgot who called out the jammed out Sigma. Les Addis, I don't want to call you out right now, but you did say that RJ called the jammed out Sigma Oasis. That was Jonathan. We want to give Jonathan credit here. At least one of us needs credit for predicting something, something correct right. that's happened on tour this point in time. I've got nothing right. I never get anything right. I'm just purely reactionary to this band. I've never predicted anything that they've ever done correctly. Now that um, you call it, Jonathan, you also said maybe they'll open with a 25-minute Sigma Oasis. This is a good thing. Like I, was, I was being very just facetious. Then. Megan, I really appreciate that you uh, listen back to our podcast for the notes. This is this is very helpful. Um, no, the archivist of the archivists. Um, Scott and Charlie, we wanted to talk with you guys about, just to give you an opportunity to, to promote um, the Mockingbird Foundation and, and the 20-minute jam contribution. Um, can you guys shed a little bit of light on what you're doing there and, and where uh, listeners here can donate money as, as required by the band's playing? So there, there's a karma pledge drive that uh, Steve Bellini started last year uh, where you could make a pledge at the start of the summer tour. Um, and for example, 20 minute, $20 for each 20 minute jam, or if they played uh, a song that hadn't been played in, in 500 shows, you, you would donate money and, we ended up raising twenty thousand dollars last summer, um, right and that's awesome. Um, so it's it's on my timeline for Biz Archive. Uh, I posted uh, last night after the tweezer. I, I retweeted Steve's tweet that I was gladly donating twenty dollars to Mockingbird. Um, for those that are not aware, uh, the Mockingbird Foundation is a nonprofit that raises money for music education for kids. Uh, and the money that you donate to us uh, is going out to grants uh, for equipment and education for um, for, for for kids, um, music uh, education, uh, the the arts is one of the first thing that's cut out of budgets for schools. And so, anything uh, you contribute 
uh, is greatly appreciated, whether it's $20 or $5 per jam or whatever whatever you want, or if you spread the word about Mockingbird, everything is greatly appreciated by all of us, and obviously the, the kids too. There is uh, info in the chat for anybody who is online with us right now. We'll make sure to get it tweeted out from the uh, Osiris and the uh, HF Pod social media as well, because great cause, big fan of, of Mockingbird. I've been a contributor for a while, and uh, you know, annually as best I can. And uh, this is a really cool. I love this the twenty minute jam pledge thing. They really took it to you, to you guys last summer, um, but they're kind of slow rolling. With their 20-minute jams uh they've had two and three shows so that's yeah. a good start well depending on who you ask mm-hmm. on friday um <laughs> last year was over 300 dollars uh and then when it was there was a 30-minute jam and a 40-minute jam i i pledged 30 minutes uh 30 dollars then for the, the soul plant 40 dollars and you know a lot of generous people in the community matched uh what we did uh for that all I'd add um, to what Scott said, if you don't mind, is that we will be announcing soon another uh, slew of grants. Um, and at that point, we will have distributed, I think, over 2.1 million in uh, grants to music education wow. programs. Yeah. And, we, and for those who don't know, we are the band charity um, associated with Fifth Fish, um, we were actually started shortly before Water Wheel was started, and so um, we basically grew and developed uh, parallel to Water Wheel. And so, unfortunately, a lot of fans will confuse the two of us. But Water Wheel is the band's charitable arm, and Mockingbird is the Fish fan charitable arm. Um, and we were, and because we started and were founded around the same time. Um, a lot of people still get us confused, but it's important to keep in mind that uh, we're entirely fan run, all volunteer run, always have been, and, you know, no salaries, no paid staff. And um, yeah, we're about to issue a total of more than 2.1 million in grants as of next month. That's it's really amazing. amazing. It's amazing really work that you guys are work. doing and absolute labor of love. I just want to note statistically uh, where we're at in 2022, we have, including Mexico and MSG. We have 10 jams that went over 20 minutes thus far. That got us into the Dick's 2021 run last year. So lots of fish still to be had this year between the remainder of this spring run, the entire summer tour, Dick's New Year's Eve, and whatever may come in between that. So lots and lots of opportunities to donate. Uh, Mockingbird does amazing, amazing work. Um, and uh, lots of opportunities for deep, deep fish that also present opportunities for them to quote quadraphonic toppling and screw with everybody in the community. See how I brought that full circle? Um, Scott and Charlie, thank you guys so, so much for, for joining us here. Really, really appreciated this. We want to get both you guys back on the podcast this summer um, as you're going out and seeing shows. I guess really quickly before we break, do you guys have any thoughts about the first weekend of summer tour? Any highlights that have stood out to you at this point in time? I I feel that these shows were, especially that second set of Friday, could have been in the middle of a tour. Um, yeah. And yeah. As opposed to like a tour opener. And mind you, you had MSG a month ago, so it's not like they hadn't played in five months. Um, 
I mean, you can look at the Japan shows from 2000 where they had done the, the Radio City stuff, um, but they they came out um, in, in full force in, in Alabama. Um, and so it, I think it bodes well for Charleston. It bodes well for, for Deer Creek. Um, my highlights um, were the, the Sigma Oasis, um, which kind of had its... It's really coming out party for jamming uh, at Deer, in Dick's last year um, that that Sunday night, and, and now they they jammed it to where it was the longest song of the show, um, which I'm sure when Sigma Oasis started, nobody really thought that was going to happen. <laughs> that it was going to end up being the longest song out of the entire night. Right. Uh, but the jam was really good, and um, yeah, you know, I, I liked uh, a lot of the second set from last night with the. Uh, Saturday, rather, with the Mr. Completely and uh, the Walk Away um, and the Golden Age uh, was also really good. And, and last night, the tweezer stands out. I mean, and for, for me, um, because I'm a complete nerd, um, in case anyone wasn't aware, the, the character Zero <laughs> to start out the show was the only the second time in band history where it passed 10 minutes. Right. Um, so you have a song ever. that's been going on since 1996, um, five from the 96, um, from the Billy Breeze days. Um, and it stayed more or less tied into the jam. So it was, it was type one, but they at least took it out for a while. And, and then I look at, they did it at Madison Square Garden where you had the character zero tweezer character zero. And now they're starting to play around the song for the first time and, 25 years um and so i'd love to see them uh jam turning it into like a, a jam vehicle it, it certainly has its potential from hartford 97 um so there's there's a little bit of fear missing out of not being at these next five shows um i have a bunch <laughs> of shows that i'm hitting Same. later this summer uh so i'm happy for that but um i'm kind of just sitting here on the sidelines, uh, putting this list into .net for the next week and uh, happy for people that are there, but kind of missing out on, on the experience. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. you know, we, um, we nerds are also sitting at home and geeking out over the very similar things. We talked a good bit about that zero last night at set break and uh, yeah, it's so cool that they just picked that one to start stretching. Yeah, just quickly, because Scott obviously had a lot to say. Um, I'm still listening to everything, uh, re-listening to it as well for jam chart purposes, because that's one of my other duties. And um, the free the other night yeah. really yes. caught my attention, because I, I listen to things while running in the morning, so I'll re-listen to the prior night show while running in the morning. And um, the free actually made me stop and just start rocking out, because it was it's so good. Yeah, um, but uh, it's short, you know, but it's got a lot going on in that. Yeah, it was, it, it actually caught my attention. Um, but I haven't heard a note from last night yet. Obviously the word on the street is the tweezers worth a damn, but you know, I, I, as you might imagine, I get a lot of, uh, comments too, sometimes from, from vets about whether something's at all even worth listening to again, um, which <laughs> helps inform my opinions for jam jar purposes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously the, the, the shows are, have been, you know, really good on, on average, but then Fish has been playing really well on average for all of 4.0. I mean, they really have. I mean, I, I think this is just a 
remarkable time um, to be a fan. Um, it, it really is. It's uh, I don't ever um, miss 1.0 these days. Not at all. Hear that, Brian? Yeah. Does that make you feel I, good, I Brian? Makes me feel good for jumping on in 2.0 and, and knowing I missed nothing in the 90s, um, which is Charlie just said. That. Yeah, I didn't say That's that. exactly how that's I interpret that. <laughs> no, you know, it yeah, is, it it is it, wild. Like, it, there's a sense of them kind of doing things, all these different things that fans have been asking for for a number of years. And it uh, it's, it's all kind of happening at once. This idea that they're opening shows consecutively with songs that nobody's really considering as a show opener, not to mention as then a jam vehicle on top of that is a really interesting addition. So you have a band that really is not tied into the internet. Uh, Fishman will post a bunch of things on Facebook, but as far as Twitter goes, I don't think they're really aware as to what's going on, but word gets back to the band. Um, Mike is. I mean, you, you know, people wanted that Isabella that was played Saturday night. Uh, that was played at the Baker's Dozen that was played in, in South Carolina and that had been played for 19 years before the Baker's Dozen. So they know if certain mm-hmm. songs are really on people's list. Um, Shafty. Um, Albuquerque. But, yep. <laughs> Say it loud here. Leprechaun. Range. <laughs> Guy Fergé. All right. So, um, so the band is... Let's not forget the Jägermeister song. Right. Uh, Life on Mars, please. Washington, please, please, Washington. So they learn from the band is still watching this at fifty-seven minutes. Those are all the requests that were anarchy, revolution, Dave's energy guy, like a real Dave's energy guy. Dave's energy guy. Melt the guns. Melt the guns. We really want. Melt the guns. We really want here. Uh, I mean, they're they're on the bus. They're driving through the south. What else are they? You know, they're maybe stopping for some po boys along the way but I, i'm sure that they're still tuned in at 57 minutes but it's um wi-fi on that bus i'm sure it's got to be great wi-fi um scott charlie thank you so much for taking some time out of your days i know you guys are both working today and really appreciate you hanging with us and engaging on this topic i know that we really enjoy going deep on this this is as you can probably imagine been a topic of conversation on our private chats it's been a topic of conversation on the twitter feed and it was uh it was enlightening to hear both how you guys approach uh, set list entries because I think that there's a lot of importance there. It's it's how people interpret the band's history. It's how people understand what's going on. Um, and also to try to get to the bottom of this mystery of does the band actually know that they've played quadraphonic top lane or not? That is the question that we uh, will pose to to Mike when he comes on next week. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but thank, thank you, you guys so much. So much. I really appreciate it. Honestly, it's amazing. Thank you so much. This is super cool. Absolutely. Sure. Thank it you very our much. Pleasure. Uh, it was really a treat. Scott's pleasure. And, well, my pleasure. <laughs> so, Char- Charlie's having a fake smile right there. Um, I can see. But it. no, I I would love to to join up later this summer for a recap or whatever. And just uh, I'm glad to help you guys out. This is a lot of fun. We'll be in Thanks touch. So and we'll have you back on. Awesome. Thank Bye, you guys. Take have care. A good one. Bye. Thank you. Good tour. Bye. Awesome. There it is. That was great. That we was solved so it. helpful, right? That was really that was insightful. That was excellent. Um, I really appreciate Scott and Charlie coming mm-hmm. on. Um, I don't. I don't know if we changed any minds or whatever, but I hope everybody at least has a clear understanding of why things get done the way they get done, 
And everybody out there is welcome to have their opinions. And if they're different from what fish.net wants to say or different from what livefish wants to say, you can be that guy. You can think that to yourself and you can share it with your friends. Don't bring the heat on the fishnet guys. They are doing great work for all of us and, uh, and they have reasoning behind it. So true. And now we know what the real question is. Does the band think now we playing do. it or not? No, the real now question. Now we do. That is the real question. What's the release date for the big Cypress box set? That That's the other big That's question. That's also the real question. That's yeah. a very good question. Um, before we break, I'm just looking at the show right now. Is there anything that you guys want to address about last night? Um, there's only one other thing I think is is worth uh, two quick things I think are yeah three quick things I think are worth mentioning. But do you guys have anything you want to talk about? I want to shout out the ballads in mm. set two and the encore. Um, I, I like them. That was one of the things I wanted to address. Um, Miss You is one of my favorite new fish songs, and I say mm. new; it's six years old at this point in time, but. I want to get serious for like a quick moment. So if you'll allow me that. Um, okay. I was going to say something earlier this weekend, but I just kind of held off. But I'm just going to say I, 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 my, my, my thoughts, my head, my heart has been um, thinking about five years ago this weekend, we lost my mother-in-law uh, to brain cancer. And I'm sure I'm not alone with you know losing someone very close to you, but the song Miss You there are very few songs that address the sensation and the, the the feelings around losing someone close to you like Miss You. It is a massive accomplishment lyrically for Trey. It is a massive accomplishment musically for the band. Like the way that they describe the feelings of feeling someone in your life who is no longer in your life is just incredible. And we were watching it last night. My wife and I were – both of us were like, you know, feeling the the vibes of the vibes in the air of um, of her mom, and uh, I just think it's such a massive accomplishment. Every time I hear that song, um, there's obviously the version with Bob Weir that oh. you just kind of lose it because you just feel like he's singing directly at you know who. Um, but man, I, I was listening back to it this morning, and there's I didn't hear it last night as as they were playing it. I don't know if it was like, you know, just differences in the, in the recording of, of the stream versus the live fish version, but pages grand piano comes out so clear in a way that I've never heard in other versions. It just blew me away. I agree. I was walking the dog and I actually stopped and was like, is page always this amazing in this song? I, it, it was, came through so strong last night. It's a beautiful song. I'm I, I kind of, I forgot they played it on new year's. Um, oh yeah! It just really, just captures grief. Yeah, captures kind of even the like the mundane elements of grief. Yes, I say yes. mundane yeah. elements because grief is it, it. It becomes commonplace in your life when you experience yeah. it. It's and it's around just little like other what what might be unremarkable totally. things. Uh, cause it to bubble up and it's that that they've they've done a beautiful job with that song on that yeah it's so earnest and just musically beautiful but also just lyrically incredible 
Yeah, I was very I loved hearing that at that point in time. Um the other two points I just wanted to say the the Wolfman's brother. I don't think it's going to get the attention that it probably deserves, but really incredible placement for it. It caps off this like 40-minute segment that Jonathan was Great talking jam. about Tweezer Plasma Wolfman's and it it goes weird enough. Like it just it gets weird enough and then they figure a way back into it. Um but also Look, I don't think Fish ever forgot how to play Harry Hood, but there were definitely points in early 3.0 where they were kind of rushing to the peak, it felt like. Last night caps off a string of versions that I want to say all go back all through last year where they have figured out a way to just dedicate two to three minutes of patience to setting the foundation of that build-up chorus, and it just adds so much more to the song, and I absolutely I, I loved it. I was super into that Harry Hood last night. Yeah, Beautiful great played. hood. It's a great hood. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a tight two 20-minute exploratory hood, but it is just a beautifully played performance. Um, and again, that tie back to the Mike's jam is uh it's glaring to me, even though it's not quite the same thing, but I hear it that there's a there's a link. There's and that Wolfman, there. they were like definitely feeling it. Like Trey's yeah. like singing it a little bit. He's like coming down on me. I mean, they are like <laughs> in the pocket for that song. And that jam is like funky <sighs> and trippy. Loved it. Also beautiful landings in <clears throat> in the songs. We've talked about this back in, you know, I don't know, was it MSG or whenever we, we've talked about this a bunch recently um, where, you know, the band wants to finish songs and, and sometimes uh, since 3.0 began, that has not always worked well. That, did I say that diplomatically enough? You did. Um, but it's, it's fucking working well right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did last night. So sweet. Love it. Yeah, and Plasma, like I mentioned this earlier, but it's really the perfect vibe for in between those two songs and jams. Yeah. It's just it's really well placed. I also think that song is awesome. It's a good song. It's a groove. It's a groove. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that about does it. We've wrapped up the first weekend of Fish Spring 2022, Summer 22, whatever you want to call it. I'm calling it Spring Tour. All right? Fuck it. I'm calling it Spring Tour. It's Spring um, Tour, bro. I mean, it's Spring Tour. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt here, man. Um, it's still chilly in Colorado. It's, it's fucking hot here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Feels I bet. like. It feels this is this time of year that feels like Portland, Oregon, and Denver, and it's about to get very dry and dusty and hot for six months. But um, we will be back on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, one p.m. Eastern, to recap Fish's first night in Charleston. We will do Charleston night one, night two on Thursday, and then we'll be back next weekend to recap the Deer Creek run, uh, including some pre-show hang and set break hang on Sunday night at Deer Creek. So lots more to come from us. Um, Thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you everyone for your great questions and your comments. And thank you to Scott and Charlie for hanging with us and um, diving deep into the mystery that is quadraphonic toppling or depending on what version you're listening to quadraphonic toppling. Um, Thank you all. This was fun. This is really fun. Meg. Jonathan, have a great rest of your Memorial Day. You too. Thanks, guys. Good chatting, guys. Talk soon, everyone.
Osiris. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.